Mountain Town, Joanna, by Ivory Harlow. I, are the beans bad? Joanna watched her husband pick at his plate. I know you like the canned kind, but it seemed wrong to put canned green beans next to prime rib. The beans are fine, Chris said without looking up at her. Joanna had hurried home from work, prepared a fancy dinner of prime rib on rice pilaf with French green beans. She nearly fell over when the butcher charged her $17.99 per pound for prime rib, but it was a special meal for a special occasion, their 20th wedding anniversary. Joe watched hours of cooking videos on YouTube before she made the meal. She felt pleased with herself when she pulled it out of the oven, looking perfect. She had just enough time to freshen up before Chris got home from work. Joanna had not seen him in three days on account of his being out of town for work. You don't have to eat them. Joanna tried to right her wrong. Just push them off to the side. I'll pack them in my lunch for work tomorrow. Chris was silent. He seemed distracted, irritated. Next time I'll buy canned. She rambled. Damn it. The beans are fine. Chris erupted. His fork and knife clattered down on his plate. Startled, Joanna jumped in her chair. It's not the beans. He looked at her, pained, it's you. The silence after his statement was unbearable. Joanna's eyes downcast to their half-eaten plates. What do you mean, it's you? She whispered. I can't stand you. You're such a pushover, Joe. And you know what annoys me most? That it doesn't bother you to be so boring. She wasn't sure what was worse, her husband's words, or the fact they came as a surprise. The moment before his breakdown, she would have said they had a happy marriage and shared a pleasant life. Both Chris and Joe had good jobs. Chris was a regional sales representative for payment processing services. He spent four to five days a month on the road attending to clients, but he didn't mind the travel and he earned a good income. Joanna was a receptionist at the electric co-op. She liked her job well enough. They owned a modest two-story home in Mountain Town with a two-car garage and two sensible Ford sedans. They enjoyed good health and had good health care in case that changed in the future. What Chris called boring, Joanna called comfortable. Chris and Joanna had never had a steamy sex life like the kind she read about in romance novels. But she doubted actual couples did, especially after decades of marriage. That was the stuff of fiction. Chris stood abruptly. I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry to do this to you on our anniversary, but I should have left a long time ago. I'm sorry Joe, he apologized again, then walked past her, seated at the kitchen table. She stared straight ahead, honing in on the sound of Chris's heavy footsteps up the stairs. He walked into their bedroom above the kitchen. She heard him open the chest of drawers and cabinets in the master bath. Then she listened to him walk back down the stairs, exit the house, start his car, and drive away. Joanna felt blindsided, unable to wrap her head around what had happened. A few hours ago, she was excited to celebrate twenty years of marriage. Now it was over. Sitting here won't solve anything, she thought, and inched her chair away from the kitchen table. She rose slowly, smoothing the front of her blouse. Joe covered the two uneaten plates of food with saran wrap. When she opened the fridge door to stow the leftovers, she saw the pecan pie she'd baked for dessert. Pecan pie was Chris's favorite, and her specialty. Joanna had playfully placed candle numbers 2, 
and 0 on top of the pie. She carefully took the pie from the refrigerator and set it on the counter. Joe cut a straight line between the candles and another sever the 0. She removed the slice and set the pie with the 2 back in the fridge. Joanna returned to the kitchen table with the 0 and sunk her fork into the first bite. 2. The alarm jolted Joe awake the next morning. She hesitated a moment, the weight of last night seemed to hold her down in bed. I can call in sick, Joanna thought. Who was she kidding? She had never called in sick during her 16 years at the co-op. What else do I have to do today? She willed herself out of bed. Anyway, it's Friday, and I have a long, lonely weekend ahead. Joe pulled the covers up to make her side of the bed. Chris's side was undisturbed. She was used to his frequent work travel. I'll just pretend he's away on business, Joanna thought. Denial was a good coping mechanism in her time of need. She employed the same tactic when her father passed away a few years earlier. He spent his retirement living in an RV, traveling across the U.S. When Joanna missed him, she just imagined he was out there living his best life on the road instead of feeling the loss. Joanne showered and wrapped herself in a robe. She made dressing for work easy by buying monochromatic clothes in the same styles. There were at least a dozen blouses in various tints, shades, and tones of gray. She chose one, then grabbed one of the five pairs of identical slacks. Joe surveyed herself in the full-length mirror. She didn't dress to make a fashion statement, express herself, or flatter her figure. Joe scrunched her curly ash brown hair, dusted her face with powder and applied two swipes of mascara to each eye. She frowned at her reflection in the mirror. Chris is right about me, I'm so boring I can hardly stand myself, she sighed and propelled herself out the door to work. 3. Good morning Jojo. TGIF. Mr. Perry bounced into the office, past the reception desk where Joanna was sitting. Joanna hated it when he called her, Jojo. However, she wouldn't say so to his face. Mr. Perry was the big boss, and a jolly one at that. He meant no harm. TGIF, Mr. Perry, Joanna, called behind him. Joe greeted a steady stream of co-op employees arriving for work. She knew everyone's name from the energy services representatives that worked in the office to the field workers that only came in to check out equipment or trade truck keys. Two linemen walked up to the reception desk with their hard hats in hand. Hey Joe Goina, make the pecan pie you made last year for the Christmas luncheon on Monday? The younger one flirted. The attention made Joanna blush. Even though it was clearly about pecan pie, not her. Of course I am. If I made anything else y'all would revolt. Only because you make the best pecan pie, the other said. It's the only reason I go to the luncheon. That and skipping out on work, the younger man bantered. That too. But your pecan pie makes missing work even sweeter. It was a good thing the men had reminded her about the luncheon. Chris's unexpected departure turned her mind to mush. She forgot Christmas was next week, and the co-op hosted its annual holiday potluck Monday. Co-workers looked forward to Joanna's pies every year, they would know something was amiss if she didn't deliver. She made a metal note to go to the pecan farm for fresh pecans tomorrow. Saturday at the pecan farm would also distract her from a weekend alone in her empty house. Joanna wished she had someone to go with. She had a lot of friendly acquaintances, 
but no real friends. Joe had been a bookish, shy child. She preferred to play by herself, where she could disappear into the depths of her imagination. During lunch and recess, she snuck into the school library and hid in a cubby with a book, waiting for the bell to ring. Chris was the closest thing she'd ever had to a friend. He was her first and only boyfriend. The emotional attachment of friendship prompted her to marry him in the first place. Now she wondered if she really knew him at all. Perhaps she wasn't capable of being in a relationship, friendship or otherwise. Jojo, can you email me last month's board minutes? Mr. Perry tapped a tune on her desk. Is everything all right? He asked, noticing the somber look on her face. You're not coming down with the flu are you? He lowered his chin and pointed at her as if he was scolding a naughty child. I feel fine. You seem a little down. Not your usual go-go Jojo self. I feel fine, Joanna reassured her boss. Good, he smiled at her. I plan to present you with yet another attendance award at the holiday party this year. Joanna wasn't hungry for lunch. She walked across the street to the Shell station instead. She bought a Cinnabon-flavored boost drink and sat at a picnic table in front of the station. This December has been a warm one. Joe wasn't complaining. She lifted her face to feel the sun's rays on her skin. She took a swig of the drink. It tasted better than she expected, though not at all like an actual Cinnabon. Joe saw her Ford car in the co-op lot. There was no assigned parking, yet she parked in the same place every day. Her eyes shifted to the co-op building. Siri, how many working days in a year? She spoke into her phone. There are 260 working days in a year, based on a five-day workweek, the phone spoke back. Joe used her phone to calculate 260 by 16. She dedicated 4,160 days of her working life to the electric co-op. She didn't dislike her job, but she didn't particularly like it either. I should at least like something I spent 4,160 days doing. Joanna mulled over the thought. First my marriage, then my looks, now my job. Maybe I'm having a midlife crisis? She googled, midlife crisis symptoms. The top results described a midlife crisis as a period of emotional turmoil in middle age, around 40 to 60 years old, characterized by a strong desire for change. It rang true. The surprise of her marriage ending was causing her to question other areas of her life. Before that, she was content living life by default. Joe dated and eventually agreed to marry Chris because it was the natural progression of the relationship. She worked the same job for 4,160 days without considering a career that leveraged her natural talents and abilities. She was suddenly aware she didn't like her appearance, car, house, and even the furniture in the house. To make it through her midlife crisis, Joe had to discover and honor who she really was. 4. Valley Pecan Farm was 30 minutes outside the city of Mountain Town. She'd visited the farm dozens of times since she was a child. Her father used to take her to the pumpkin patch in October. They returned in December to pick a Christmas tree from the lot. At 44, Joanna no longer carved pumpkins or wanted a picture with Santa, but she still visited the farm twice a year because it brought back wonderful memories and put her in the holiday spirit. Since it was not a workday, Joanna struggled to find the motivation to put on pants with a waistband. However, Valley Pecan Farm was popular amongst tourists and locals alike, 
and there was a good chance she would see someone she knew. Joanna pulled on a pair of jeans and a gray flannel. She swept her hair back into a ponytail and wrapped a holiday scarf around her neck as an afterthought. Holiday music made the half-hour drive fast. Joe pulled into the packed parking lot and paid the entrance fee. The farm was crowded. Parents dragged children, dressed in their Christmas best, to Santa's nut house. Teenagers trailed behind, scrolling their phones. Couples sipped hot chocolate as they strolled the orchards hand in hand and posed for pictures in giant Christmas cutouts. Joe was suddenly stricken with loneliness. Maybe coming wasn't a good idea, Joe thought. Before she could retreat, she heard a man's voice, Are you waiting for the tour, miss? Tour? Joanna looked up and saw a rugged and handsome man sitting on a tractor. He was pulling a wagon packed with passengers. Valley Pecan Farm Tour. Every hour on the hour, he tipped his hat. All the years she had been coming to the farm, she had never taken a tour. I'd like that, she answered. Find yourself a seat. He welcomed Joanna aboard the wagon. The tractor jumped forward, towing the wagon towards the tidy lines of pecan trees. The tour guide perched at the head of the wagon. My name is Ronnie Brown. I'm a fourth-generation farmer at Valley Pecan Farm. I'm retired from full-time pecan farming now. My boys, he motioned towards the man driving the tractor, run the business now, but they still let me talk to folks about about farming. Which is all I'm good for anyway, he said with self-deprecating humor. Joe noticed Ronnie had deep wrinkles and tan, leathery skin from years of working outside. She liked his good old boy demeanor. Studying them from her seat she saw they shared the same dark brown kind eyes. Pecans is the only major tree nut truly native to the United States. Archaeologists found pecan seed and leaf fossils along the banks of the Rio Grande dating as far back as 6100 BC. In our region, Native Americans relied on them as a food source in the 1500s, Ronnie spoke into a lanyard microphone. A small speaker projected his voice throughout the long rows of pristine trees. The mature trees reached 75 feet tall and spanned nearly as wide. Some were losing their leaves, which, in addition to the chilly breeze, only added to the holiday atmosphere. This farm covers 6,500 acres. 2,200 acres are pecan orchard. Pecan Valley Farm produces about 5 million pounds of pecans a year. This land has been in my family for over 100 years. We hire some harvest help, but it's a family business otherwise. We all live on this farm. The family dynamic Ronnie described was foreign to Joe. She was an only child. Her mother left when she was nine years old. Her dad was clueless about raising a young girl. He was a good man, and she never questioned if he loved her, but he Joe didn't get the attention and affection she needed. After her mother left, Joe and her dad subsided on ready-to-eat suppers. They didn't talk about her mother leaving, or anything else, for that matter. The only thing they'd had in common was Joe's mom. They mostly sat in silence while her father flipped through a magazine. Occasionally, Joe's dad allowed them to eat in front of the TV if the program was educational. One evening, they watched a Nat Geo documentary about food manufacturing and technology. Joanna had an epiphany that food was something else they had in common. Her dad loved to eat, but didn't know how to cook. She took it upon herself to learn. The next day she served homemade meatloaf. 
You are a natural cook, Joanna, he said. It was the first time her dad outwardly praised her. Joanna took the kitchen as her domain from that night on. She asked for cookbooks for her birthday and Christmas. Joe became a skilled cook, but was an even better baker. She made her first pie with Valley Pecan Farm pecans. My grandpa planted the oldest trees in the early 1900s using wide spacing and soils with sufficient depth for sustained production. These days they call that sustainable agriculture. He was ahead of his time. Ron explained, We grow five varieties of pecan on this farm, Western, Pawnee, Cheyenne, Burkett, and Caddo. We love them so much we named our sons West and Burkett. The man on the tractor is my son West. My other boy is Burke. If you visit the farm store today, you'll meet my daughter-in-law and my granddaughter, Cheyenne. If you buy a Christmas tree today, my grandson Cad will help you load it. The tractor rounded the orchard. Ronnie pointed out newer trees and different varieties. He talked about good and bad production years. Texas is a leading pecan grower. The pecan is the state tree, and the state pie is pecan pie, he said with pride. After the tour, Joanna walked through the Christmas tree lot. There were pre-cut Fraser firs and potted living trees to plant after Christmas. Green wreaths and garlands made with fresh boughs emitted a delicious piney scent. Chris said there was no reason they, two childless adults, needed a tree. Real trees are expensive and messy. Joanna thought every home should have a tree. She made a mental note to pick one out after she bought pie supplies from the farm store. The Brown family had decorated the farm store to the nines. The autumn section featured colorful hand-blown glass pumpkins and wooden leaf ornaments. Joanna selected a bag of spiced cider mix she enjoyed so much as a child. The winter section had an array of goods, from nativity sets to knitted scarves. Ornaments and twinkle lights adorned the entire store. Joe took her time, smelling all the holiday candles and delighting in the farm-themed souvenirs. Joanna, Joanna snapped around when she heard her name. I thought that was you. Joanna recognized Laura from the Electric Co-op's customer service department. Laura looked different outside of work, dressed in casual clothes, pushing a stroller. You remember my husband, Mark? She tilted her head towards the man beside her. Our son Jacob is over there, smashing pumpkins. She pointed to a cute blonde child throwing plush pumpkins at unassuming shoppers. This is my daughter April, born in April. I was out for two months on maternity leave. She rolled the stroller back and forth. Of course. Hello, Joanna said politely. Are you here alone? Laura looked around. The comment hit a nerve. It was not a crime for a woman to enjoy an agritourism operation alone. Yes. I came to buy ingredients for the Christmas luncheon. Joe's famous pecan pie. Laura turned to her husband. Joanna makes the best pecan pie. Our co-workers literally eat dessert first because her pie is amazing. Maybe Joanna can help solve our predicament? Mark suggested. I didn't think of that. Laura grabbed Mark's arm with excitement. The look passed between them when Mark said, predicament sparked Joanna's curiosity. What is your predicament? We purchase pecan pies from Valley Pecan Farms to bring to our family's holiday celebration every year, Mark explained. Laura leaned towards Joanna as though she was sharing a secret and said, 
The pies aren't as good as yours, but they eat. We actually came out today to purchase two, but the fridge is empty, Mark pointed to the wall of empty glass front refrigerators. We figured they sold out and asked when they would restock. It turns out they aren't selling pies this year. The matriarch and baker Mrs. Brown passed away this summer. Joanna was aware the woman behind the counter was listening in on the conversation. Judging by her age, the woman must be Ron's daughter-in-law. Our only job is to bring the pecan pies to Christmas dinner at my in-laws. I swear it's the only reason they tolerate our unruly kids, Laura said as Mark sprinted over to their son who was climbing up a Christmas display. Would you be willing to make pies for us? Laura pleaded. I've never baked for sale before, Joanna thought over her proposition. Name your price Joanna. Your pies are worth every penny, Laura encouraged her. I don't see why I can't make two pies, Joanna said. It would be an opportunity to contribute to someone's family gathering, since she wouldn't have a family celebration to prepare for or look forward to. Can I bring them to you at work on Monday? Yes. We'll have to pass them covertly in the parking lot. If anyone gets wind that you're selling pies, you'll never sleep again. April woke from sleep and started crying. You are literally a lifesaver, Joe. Laura captured her in a quick and awkward embrace. I'll see you at work Monday. Thanks again, she said and whisked, crying April away. Joanna selected a few more things from the store, including a five-pounds bag of pecans, and set them on the counter. Doing some holiday baking? The woman smiled warmly. Yes. I use Valley Pecan Farms pecans to make holiday pies every year, Joanna said, then added, the Pawnee variety is my favorite for baking. Why is that? The woman asked with curiosity. Pawnees have large, full kernels. They have less moisture content, which helps the pie filling set better. Toasting them before baking seems to enhance the nutty flavor, and makes the pie turn out the perfect shade of brown, Joanna reported. The woman standing behind her in line set the western she was holding back on the shelf and picked up a bigger bag of Pawnee. You seem to know a lot about pecans and baking. Are you a chef? Oh no, Joe laughed. I just like to bake. That's too bad. Valley Pecan Farm needs a baker. My mother-in-law passed away this year. She made the pecan pies we sold in the store and online. I'm sure you noticed the empty fridges. Yes. I'm sorry for your loss. Then Joanna had an idea. I can teach you to make pecan pie. You'll have your work cut out for you. I'm not much of a baker, but I'm willing to give it a try. My name is Melanie, by the way. Everyone calls me Mel. She reached out her hand. I'm Joanna. Joe. It's so good to meet you. Mel looked past Joanna to locate her teen daughter stocking shelves in the farm store. Cheyenne, can you cover the counter, please? Let me show you our kitchen. Mel led Joanna out the back door of the farm store to a brick summer kitchen. She opened the door. Inside was a fully stocked commercial kitchen with ingredient racks, stainless prep tables, stainless freezer, and refrigerators. The focal piece of the kitchen was a double full-size convertible convection oven with two decks. Joanna opened the doors. Each oven had five heavy-duty chrome-plated racks. Granny Brown used to bake twenty pies at a time, Mel said in awe. How about two to start? You can copy my technique. Joanna set the bag of Pawnee pecans on the prep table. 
she collected butter and eggs from the fridge, then went to dry storage for flour, salt, vanilla extract, corn syrup, shortening, and two types of sugar. Mel was wrapped with attention. The women made the pie crusts first. Time the crusts so that you are warm when the filling is ready, Joanna explained. Next, they made the filling. They chopped and toasted the pecans. Joanna melted butter in a double broiler while the pecans cooled. She turned off the burner and allowed the butter to cool slightly before whisking in the remaining ingredients. Lastly, they stirred in the pecans. It's beginning to look a lot like filling. Mel marveled. That shiny brown color is what you want. Joe divided the mixture between the two warm crusts and placed the pies in the oven. Now we wait. Joanna smiled triumphantly. It's already half past 5 p.m. Mel checked the time on her phone. Will you stay for supper? The kids close up the shop and tree lot at 6. The men will finish up outside and everyone meets at my house at 6.30. I don't want to impose, Joanna said. You have no idea how lonely I get working with all these men day in and day out. There is Cheyenne, I suppose, but she's my daughter, and a teenager. Mel gave Joe a knowing look. It was so nice to work with a girlfriend this afternoon. We would love your company over supper. Plus, we'll have your pecan pies for dessert. Our pecan pies, Joanna corrected her. Melanie squeezed Joanna's shoulders, grateful for her acknowledgement. Mel calling her a girlfriend warmed Joe's heart. Unbeknownst to Melanie, Joanna knew exactly how loneliness felt. Joe appreciated Mel's companionship several times throughout the afternoon. It was the first time she did not feel lonely in a long time even before her husband abandoned her. Perhaps he wasn't good company after all. V. Burkett and Melanie's brick ranch-style house was across the street. Burke grew up in this house, Mel told her as they walked across the street. We lived in the white rock house when Cad was born. She pointed to a small limestone house perched on a hill in the distance. Joanna admired its icicle lights from afar. It looked like something off a country Christmas card. We moved into this house two years later when Cheyenne came along. Burke's parents moved a new double-wide on the property to live in, and Burke's brother West moved into the rock house. It must be nice to have family so close. I don't know how I could have raised a toddler and a baby simultaneously without my mother-in-law. When she passed, I think it helped Ron to be surrounded by family. Judging by how Ron talked about the family operation on the tour, he certainly seems to enjoy y'all. He is very family-focused. I apologize in advance if he makes comments about you being single without kids. He's old-fashioned in that way. He's always getting on West's case for not settling down with someone. When Mel asked Joanna if she was married or had children, Joanna thought it best to spare Mel the drama about her husband of 20 years leaving. She didn't want Melanie to feel bad for asking. So she simply said she didn't have a family. Joanna insisted on helping Mel fix supper. Melanie put together a chicken noodle casserole while Joanna tossed a salad. Joe trotted back across the street to retrieve the pies from the oven and set them on a rack to cool as the Brown family arrived for dinner. I invited my friend Joanna to have dinner with us. You met Cheyenne at the shop earlier. Cheyenne smiled in acknowledgement. This is my husband Burke and our son Cad. Glad to have you join us for supper. I'm Ron. Ron extended his hand. I was on one of your tours today. 
Joanna shook his hand. Then I gave her a behind-the-scenes tour of the summer kitchen, Mel interjected. Joanna taught me to bake pecan pies today. You don't say? Ron lit up at the mention of pecan pie. West was the last family member to arrive. He stomped the dirt off his boots on the welcome mat before entering the door. You met West on the tour too. He was driving the tractor, Ron introduced West again, as if Joe could forget the attractive man. Joanna is joining us for supper. Hello again, West bowed his head slightly to Joanna. Now that he was standing, she saw he was very tall, nearly a foot taller than her. He removed his cowboy hat to reveal chestnut brown hair that was graying at his temples. When he smiled at her, a dimple formed in his left cheek. It's nice to meet you, Joanna said and felt her face flush. She was glad the fireplace had made the room a little too warm. No one would notice her pink cheeks. The family sat down to supper. Since Joanna was the guest, they were naturally curious about her. She shared some of her favorite memories of visiting Valley Pecan Farm when she was a child and told them how much she missed having one of their trees in her home as an adult. Joe noticed West's eyes on her. She wished she had put more effort into getting ready that morning. Put on a little mascara, or at least that she wasn't dusted with flour from baking pies. Joe was uncomfortable being the center of attention. She seized the first opportunity to pivot the conversation to the kids. It was clear Cad and Cheyenne were the objects of all the adults' affection. Cad was tall and slim like his uncle. He was a junior at Mountain Town High School. I work on the farm in the fall and winter, but my folks cut me some slack to play basketball in spring, Cad told her. Cheyenne was 15 years old. She helped at the farm store on weekends. It's when we are busiest, she said. Cheyenne concentrates on her school work during the week, Burke explained. Until I turn 16. Then I can work a couple of week nights at the store too. She eyed her dad. You must really like to work at the store. Or you need gas money when you turn 16. Joanna guessed. Cheyenne giggled innocently. Grandpa is buying me a car. If. Ron prompted. If I stay on a honor roll. That's a good deal, Joanna said. I know, right? Cheyenne gave her grandpa a sweet smile. Melanie cut the pies in the kitchen after dinner. Who wants whipped cream? She shouted into the dining room. Me, everyone shouted back in unison. They waited to eat until everyone had returned to the table. Cad, what are you doing in there? This pie is staring me down. West warned. Cad trotted in with two enormous pieces stacked on top of one another. He had created a mode of whipped cream around them. How I wish I had the metabolism I had at 18 again, Burkett patted his middle. Speak for yourself, West said. He was definitely the slimmer of the two brothers, but Joanna thought both men and their father were in great shape. They had farm work to thank for it. This pie tastes as good as it looks. Melanie brought another bite to her mouth. Burke moaned with pleasure as he took another big bite. Kudos to Mel and Joe, West saluted with his fork. It's so good it doesn't even need whipped cream, Cheyenne reported. Cad had finished the first piece and was working his way through the second. Ron didn't say a word during his family's reviews. Joanna shifted her attention to him to gauge his reaction. His eyes were full of emotion as he savored the taste. The room fell silent, then Ron spoke, this pecan pie. He choked back tears, tastes exactly like my wife's pecan pie. 
West rested his hands on his father's shoulder to provide comfort. Thank you for the memory, Joanna. Joanna was at a loss for words. She gave Ron's hand a squeeze. Joe. Mel intervened, thank you for teaching me how to bake pecan pie, and sharing the recipe, but I'm not sure I have the skill to bake pies of this quality for the store. I haven't run this idea past the family, but I'm sure they'll be on board, would you consider baking for Valley Pecan Farm Store? Most of our holiday pie customers have bought our pies for decades, as part of their family traditions. They are distraught, some downright angry, that we don't have pies this Christmas. I like where you're going, Mel, Burke chimed in. We typically sell thousands of pies each season. We open the online store for pie orders on November 1st, and sell online and in the farm store through New Year's Day. Joanna's eyes widened as she imagined baking thousands of pecan pies. We don't expect that volume this year, because of the late start, West said. And we understand you have a full-time job, Mel said. Any time you'd be willing to help Mel bake pies is better than turning people away, Burke agreed. Just stocking the fridges in the farm store will be great, Cheyenne said. If Cad stays out of them. Cad had returned from the kitchen with another piece of pie. What? He asked as the entire family glared at him. West chuckled at this nephew. Thoughts dad? Burke asked. I think Joanna's talent will be an asset to the operation. But it's Christmas. She might have holiday plans with her family. All eyes turned to Joanna. This day spent with the Browns had been the best gift of the season. Baking pecan pies for Valley Pecan Farm would be a welcome distraction from what she expected to be a hollow holiday season. I expected a quiet holiday at home. Baking for you won't disrupt anything. It's settled then. Burke said. Mel clapped her hands together with delight. The rest of the family cheered as Ron nodded with approval. 6. Joanna was up early the next morning to spend Sunday baking pies for the farm. Despite the brief night of sleep, she felt energetic and eager to get back to the farm. She flashed back West's inviting eyes and spent a few extra minutes primping, hoping she'd see him. Joanna and Mel worked tirelessly to fill the pie case, but every time they brought an armload of pecan pies to the shop they only replenished what they had sold. Mel returned from bringing the last batch of the day to the farm store and plopped down on a stool. She looked spent. We baked 160 pies today. Joe was wiping down the prep table. How many sold? There were a few in the fridge when I brought the last batch in. The store is open for another two hours. I think we'll sell out. That means we'll be starting from scratch to fill the fridge on Christmas Eve. Is the store typically busy? Yes. The shop will be bustling. A lot of families stop by to pick up pies on their way out of town. Others have kin visiting Mountain Town for the holidays and looking for something to do. You mentioned and not having plans for Christmas Day. Why don't you spend it with us? The farm is closed to the public, but we gather at the house to watch Christmas movies, feast, play cards, and board games. You're sure the rest of the family won't mind me crashing your party? Joanna asked. She was already spending Christmas Eve baking for the store. She didn't want to wear out her welcome. Are you kidding? You fit in so well with the family, and love pecans as much as the rest of us. You're an honorary brown. In that case, I would love to spend Christmas with y'all. Mel and Joe cleaned up and closed the kitchen. Joanna worked on Monday, 
but she planned to come back for a full day of baking on Tuesday, Christmas Eve, then Wednesday, Christmas Day to spend the holiday with the Brown family. Joanna weaved through the crowds of customers as she walked to her car. She noticed an elderly man and his wife sitting on a bench, holding hands, watching a pair of sparrows. The birds hopped around their feet, picking up kettle corn kernels. Joanna expected she and Chris would grow old together like that. Not that he was the bird-watching type, but that they'd grow old and delight in the little things together. Now, the thought of aging alone filled Joanna with fear and dread. Her smile faded to a frown as she wondered who would take care of her if she got sick and how she would spend all the time alone, done for the day. Joanna was so lost in her thoughts that she didn't notice the rumble of the UTV as it pulled up beside her. West was behind the wheel. Just finished our 160th pie, Joanna said. You aren't staying for supper. West sounded disappointed. His tone was meaningful to Joanna. I have an early day at work tomorrow. Are you finishing up? Yep. I just came down to get some deer corn for the feeders in the high pasture. I want to get it out there before the elk come in. I haven't seen elk in these mountains since I was a kid. My dad used to tell me they were reindeer because we only saw them during the holidays. Want to ride up with me to feed? It'll only take a minute and the field looks real pretty at dusk. West dusted off the seat beside him. Joanna got in without a second thought. West jolted the UTV into drive and whipped a U-turn back towards the pasture. Joanna gripped the handhold for balance. West gave her a teasing smile. Once Joanna relaxed, she found the fast, bumpy ride over the rocky terrain invigorating. West pulled up to a deer feeder and emptied a 50 pounds bag into the top. It's on a timer, he explained. We'll park over there and wait, he said, pointing to a sloping hill with dense emery oaks and juniper trees. West was right, the field was beautiful with the last rays of sunlight illuminating the golden grasses. The amber sky started dark blue, turning to purple, pink, and finally orange at the mountain ridge. The temperature was dropping fast. Joanna pulled her hands into her coat sleeves. Here, take my gloves. West handed her a pair of work gloves. The outside of the gloves were rough and stained with oil, but the inside was soft and pliable. Like West himself, Joanna imagined. I think the elk like it up here because it's the ideal mix of meadows for grazing and timber for cover. Do you ever hunt them? Burke and me took down a male once. We had two big male elks trying to establish dominance. We justified harvesting one of them for meat and taxidermied the head. Hunting elk was a fun experience, but honestly, there are more mule deer on this property than we can handle and venison is much tastier than elk meat. He stopped speaking and lifted his hand to point, look at how majestic they are. Joanna scanned the field. I don't see anything. West pulled a pair of binoculars out of the glove compartment and handed them to Joanna. She lifted the binoculars to her eyes. A small herd of five females and two calves were cautiously walking into the field. Joe gasped and held her breath. The leader of an elk herd is the oldest cow, not the bull. They bed down during the day, using timber for cover or heading to north-facing slopes to stay cool. At dusk she leads them to feed on mountain mahogany, agaves, and grasses of course, West told her. The elk had sauntered out into the field by now. They didn't seem to mind the herd of mule deer that gathered around the feeder at the far end of the pasture. 
West and Joanna watched the elk and deer in silence. Neither of them felt the need to fill an already perfect moment with words. A high-whistled call sounded from above. They looked up to see two golden eagles soaring over the field. Joanna lifted the binoculars to the sky, lowered and handed them to West. They are courting, West said, looking through the binoculars. How do you know? See how they are flying circles around each other and making shallow dives. Yes, they migrate here every year from Canada to court, breed and nest in cliffs and on mountainsides. They mate for life. It's nice to know something still does. The words escaped Joanna's mouth before she could censor herself. You sound skeptical, West commented. I'm sorry. It just seems like a rarity these days. I don't know about that. My parents were married over fifty years, and Burke and Mel seem pretty happy. Furthermore the eagles are evidence that lasting love still exists. West reached over and took Joanna's hand. She had taken off the gloves to look through the binoculars and her hand was ice cold. I'll get you back before you freeze, West smiled at her and started the UTV. 7. Rockin' around the Christmas tree echoed through the halls of the co-op, Mr. Perry tossed fake snow and tinsel over the rows of cubicles as he navigated the building, wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. You are free to go after the luncheon to jumpstart your holiday. He made Christmas luncheon day a half day every year, but employees acted surprised and thanked him profusely nevertheless. I see you are feeling better, Jojo. You had me worried Friday, but here you are, aglow like a Christmas angel. You were just worried she wouldn't feel well enough to bring pecan pie, a co-worker teased. Yes, that is true as well. Mr. Perry said matter-of-fact and went on spreading Christmas cheer throughout the office. Joanna was helping set out supplies for the buffet line when a voice from the front office yelled, Joanna. A delivery for you. There was a two-foot-tall flower arrangement in the shape of a Christmas tree, with red roses and white carnations, mini red ball ornaments and a trailing red bow topper. She opened the card and read, You deserve a tree this Christmas. West. Joanna felt her face flush. She carried the tree to the serving table. It made the perfect holiday centerpiece. Joanna volunteered to stay and clean up after the festivities were over. Most employees had families to go home to, children that were home from school on winter break. Joanna dreaded going home to an empty house, and didn't mind staying after the others left. She was the last one out of the co-op building. There were fewer hours of daylight this time of year, coupled with the day being gloomy and cold. It would be depressing if not for Mountain Town's holiday decorations looking merry and bright. Every year, the co-op used their bucket trucks to hang giant illuminated wreaths, candlesticks, and snowflake decorations on every pole on Main Street. A giant community Christmas tree stood in front of the courthouse. Several churches had nativity scenes sprawled across their lawns. Joe detoured through the side streets to see the lights. When she came to the intersection of her street, she was shocked to see Chris's car in the driveway. She lingered at the stop sign, feeling immobile, until another driver came up behind her and forced her to take action. Joe turned on her blinker and circled the block to buy time. What is he doing there? Did he come back to apologize, or come to collect more of his things? Regardless of his intentions, Joanna surprised herself by not wanting him there. Thinking fast she turned onto the highway and headed towards Valley Pecan Farm. 7. It was nearly dark by the time Joanna pulled up to the rock house. 
She wasn't sure West was in from the field yet, but the icicle lights were on, and she could see lamplight through the front windows. She tamed her curls in the car's vanity mirror walking to the front door. Joe debated between ringing the doorbell and knocking, and deciding knocking was less formal, more appropriate. West opened the door, beaming a million-dollar smile. His hair was matted as if he'd just taken off a stocking cap, and his cheeks were ruddy and red from the cold. A Christmas surprise. Santa delivered Joe to my door. I didn't expect to see you until tomorrow. I just wanted to stop by and thank you for sending the tree, Joe said. It was beautiful and perfect for the luncheon today. I would have sent it to your house, but I don't know your address, West said. Sending it to work was perfect. I got to show it off at the holiday party. Do you want to come in? West moved away from the doorway to invite her inside. Joe stepped inside and took off her coat. The first thing she noticed was the taxidermed elk with enormous horns on the wall. Is that the elk you and your brother harvested? Joanna asked in awe. That's the one. Well, what's left of him? Make yourself comfortable, West said. Joanna looked around the room. There was a bomber leather sofa, love seat, chair and ottoman neatly arranged around a rock fireplace. Christmas was music streaming on the TV, mounted above the fireplace mantle. There was a sorry-looking Charlie Brown Christmas tree in the corner. It was sagging with heavy lights and had only a single bulb ornament. Joanna pointed at it, raising an eyebrow at West, a reject from the lot. Cad brought it up and Cheyenne decorated it. They thought it was funny. West chuckled. They are good kids, I can tell, Joanna said. She inhaled a savory smell. Are you cooking? She asked in astonishment. West didn't come across as a man who knew his way around a kitchen. Yes, I am, he answered proudly. Pizza rolls. They are a delicacy. Would you care to join me for supper? I'd love to. But let me make a salad to go with it, she offered. We make a great team. A salad is the perfect complement to the ranch dressing that I dip the rolls in. Joanna pillaged the refrigerator for salad ingredients. She turned up greens, carrots, and apples. She quickly fried a few pieces of bacon to sprinkle with pecan pieces on top. The kitchen was small, with an eat-in dining area big enough for a table for two. They sat down to eat and fell into an easy conversation. They heard a Christmas carol come on TV. We had this VHS when we were kids, West said. Probably still have it somewhere in a box in the hayloft. But I doubt we have a VHS player to watch it on. We'd better seize the opportunity to watch it on TV, Joanna suggested. They moved into the living room and settled in to watch the show. Best Friends Death, Greed, Aging, Ghosts. A Christmas Carol is really depressing when you watch it as an adult, Joanna commented. It's only depressing if you miss the moral of the story. By the end of Scrooge's life, he's come to terms with actions from his past. That's a gift. Most people are buried with their greed and discontent, West said. So the moral is to make peace with your past. Yes, and making peace with your past frees you to embrace the future. When the movie ended, West walked Joanna to her car. They savored the last few minutes of each other's company. I'm glad you stopped by tonight. It's been a great eve of Christmas Eve, he said. Maybe a new tradition? He opened her car door, then leaned down to kiss her. I'll see you tomorrow, he said. 
I can't wait, she said with a shy smile. 8. Joanna drove home in a lovesick daze until she saw Chris's car was still in her driveway. She tightened her hands on the steering wheel and resolved not to run away. The evening with West clarified what she wanted. She was ready to make peace with her past. Joe parked the car in the garage and walked into the house with confidence. She found Chris seated at the table, looking despondent. She waited for him to speak first. I'm here to apologize. I made a terrible mistake. Lots of them. But the worst one was leaving. I'm sorry for what I said about you and how I acted. I thought the grass would be greener on the other side. But it isn't. I want things back the way they were. Chris didn't disclose that the woman he'd been seeing on business trips didn't want anything to do with an available man. When he told her he'd left his wife, his girlfriend said she wasn't in love with him. I want to come home, Joe. He moved closer to her. Your home isn't here anymore, Chris, she said with resolve. His face fell with despair. You're welcome to stay in the guest room. I have an early day tomorrow. I'm going to bed. Joanna left him seated at the kitchen table. She walked up the stairs to her bedroom and closed the door on her past. Epilogue. Joanna bought a new bright red sweater to wear to the Browns on Christmas Day. As she pulled it over her head, she noticed her arms were sore from rolling out nearly 200 pie crusts on Christmas Eve. The store sold out, except for the two Mel set aside for the Browns' own Christmas celebration. Ron ushered Joe into the front door when she arrived. She heard Mel clanking around the kitchen. She made eyes at West as she hurried to help Mel with preparations. The men were in the living room, razzying the teens over their choice in Christmas music. Though she'd known the Browns less than a week, she felt like part of the family. In the glow of the Christmas tree, a new future began to take shape in her mind, one she was excited to embark upon in the new year.